Welcome to Essential Viewing. I'm Cuevas, Christian Cuevas, and on today's episode, we'll be discussing No Time to Die, the 25th film in the James Bond franchise. This film sees Daniel Craig donning his iconic tux as James Bond one final time, alongside an all-star cast including Remy Malek, Lee Sedu, and Ray Fiennes, and is directed by Kerry Joji Fukunaga. If you'd like to watch along with us, next week we'll be discussing the 1979 film Stalker, directed by Andrei Tarkovsky. Thanks for tuning in today. We've got a great episode for you, and let's get right into it. Welcome back to Essential Viewing. I'm your host for today's episode, Bryce Kramer, and I'm joined by Christian Cuevas and Cole Bielan. And this week, we are going back to big budget Hollywood action as we're discussing the latest and final Daniel Craig James Bond movie, No Time to Die. Uh, the movie is directed by Kerry Fukunaga, who I think all three of us really enjoyed his work on uh, the True Detective show on HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, he's written a couple of other pretty good movies, and calling the, um, including the first It film. Mm-hmm. But he's not a big time um, director for films, as far as I'm aware. Um, mm-hmm. The movie was written by the director, along with Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Um, four people on the screenplay. Obviously, stars Daniel Craig as James Bond, uh, Rami Malek as the villain. Leah Sado as Madeline, Daniel Craig's flame. Um, apologies if I pronounced her name wrong. And then um, we've got the rest of the the MI6 people that are always in these movies, like Ralph Fiennes, Ben Wishwa, and Naomi Harris. Um, but before we dive into details and our opinions on No Time to Die, let's do a little roundtable segment where we talk about you know what we've been watching this week besides Bond. So. Cole, you want to get us started here? Yeah, not not too much to report for me this week. Um, I will say I'm I'm glad when we were discussing our pick uh, last week, and and Chris kind of decided or pushed us towards No Time to Die after my suggestion of Lamb. I'm glad that we did not pick <laughs> Lamb. I saw Lamb this week. I did not enjoy it. Um, I think if I think I, honestly, I think of the three of us, Chris would probably like it the most. Uh-huh. Um, just uh, that's my own assessment but I, I, I did see that film uh friday evening um it's definitely not the worst a24 film i think we, most of us agree that is under the silver lake but it is <laughs> it is near the bottom of the barrel i, I saw an article that's like it's the most a24 movie ever oh <laughs> wow okay i uh I don't know. Well, I do that. like a good lamb, you know, and little uh, yeah. sassy, sassy. I, I was intrigued by the trailer, but after Cole, you know, kind of told us what he thought, I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't the, see it. The biggest problems, and I kind of communicated this to you guys already, is that the trailer spoils something that in the film is like very clearly supposed to be a reveal. And then I, I guess going in, I was expecting some like, like uh, the, the goat in The Witch, <laughs> the hmm. film, like Black Peter. I was expecting some like weird farm animal haunting nonsense and it doesn't really come to that at all and and not only because my expectations weren't met but also just the it's it's like the ultimate slow burn and there's no there's really no uh, chris loves a good slow burn though. yeah but this I do. is this I do. is a different kind altogether I think. <laughs> so um that's that was the only film i saw not much in terms of uh tv this week so um uh chris any any new things that you want to recommend or talk about yeah, just uh, not too much watching activity this week, although I did watch a very interesting film from, uh, I believe, 1967 uh, mm. on the Criterion channel called uh, Reflections in a Golden Eye. No relation to the Bond film, Golden Eye. <laughs> oh, um, it was starring uh, Marlon Brando and Elizabeth Taylor um, and also a very young uh, Robert Forster, who 
you may recognize from movies like uh, Jackie Brown. Um, but um, basically, Marlon Brando is this like closeted homosexual military sergeant or drill sergeant of some kind. And he's married to Elizabeth Taylor, who like basically like their marriage is in shambles and she's like very disrespectful to him. And he's like secretly lusting after this young private who rides around naked on horseback in the woods outside the military (laughs) base. It was a weird movie. I really enjoyed it. It had, especially it had like a very um, notable ending that I, I, I'm surprised I haven't seen references at the ending of this movie before, because it was a very striking ending Hmm. um, that uh, I, I won't spoil, but Sounds it was a good time. It was a it was a really good film. I was I was I had no expectations going into it. I didn't know anything about it. I just kind of saw the art and thought it looked interesting and watched it. Huh. I was pleasantly surprised. Nice. I'm glad you bring us these these classic films. Yeah, that's Chris, what I, do. I know. You know, I'm I know in the Cole aren't, aren't usually watching too I, many of. Them. I didn't know they had movies back then. Actually. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. This week I watched. I watched one show on HBO or like kind of binge this show called the white Lotus. Um, it's like this series. It's only like a, it's like a mini series, like six episodes where like these three kind of groups go to this Hawaiian resort for like vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a family, there's like a newlywed couple. And there's like a woman that's trying to like spread her mother's ashes. And then the first episode, things are kind of like, you know, idyllic, like rich fantasy sort of thing. And then like thing kind of starts to slowly unravel as more and more episodes go past and um it, it's honestly really it's really made really well made really interesting really funny um and the main point of the show is it's kind of like the you see like the, the class difference between these rich kind of assholes that are at this resort versus like the people that are working there um i, I enjoyed it a lot i thought it was it was pretty well done but yeah no, no movies for me this week just that show okay when you when you first mentioned the name the white lotus i thought it was like a, a spin-off series uh, avatar the last yeah, yeah, that's the what last i thought Defender. too and then it started it wasn't even animated i was going oh, oh yeah. not again that's just funny <laughs> yeah so i guess we can jump into our uh discussion of no time to die now um kind of where he went over you know the the basics of the who's in the movie but Cool. I know you you have never seen Spectre, which is the Bond movie that directly precedes this one. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like you may have been a little lost during this movie. So do you want to give us <laughs> kind of your uh, your rundown of, of the plot or what was going on? For, I, for I'd love to, Bryce. Thank you for asking. I'll preface by saying that um, I'm familiar with the, the Bond franchise. I think if I had to, I think I could count the number of Bond films I've seen on one hand. Hmm. So I'm not that well versed. Um, I was thinking back to it and realized that I've I have seen all of the uh, well prior prior to this film all of the films that were considered good Daniel Craig Bond films being Casino Royale and Skyfall. Um, I did not I have not seen Quantum of Solace, which I from mo- most people have said is just a turd, and then mm-hmm. uh, and then Spectre I did not see when it came out I think in 2015, and I just I decided to not to forego seeing it um, prior to seeing No Time to Die. And I do regret that a little bit because <laughs> I was pretty lost during the first, I think, half of No Time to Die. Um, I can give a brief brief synopsis of this film. Uh, what in what seems like the standard fare for the Daniel Craig Bond films, it start out starts out with him retired in paradise, <laughs> um, with usually with a beautiful with a beautiful woman. In this case, Leah Sadu playing, I think, Madeline Swan is her character's name. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there. Yeah, and, and she's she's back from Spectre. Yeah. Yes, and and I so I, I will also say I after seeing No Time to Die and realizing that I lost out on some some plot elements because I hadn't seen Spectre, I went back and I've read the synopsis of Spectre and I'm like mm -hmm. f very somewhat familiar with the the plot now. Um, but anyway, so Leia Sadu, there there's the kind of the classic Bond opening action sequence before they get into the the CG like intro with the, the the specialty bond song this year by um what Billy Eilish. Eilish. Yeah, Billie Eilish thank yeah. you I completely forgot <laughs> um by Billy Eilish um afterwards it, 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 you know the flash forwards five years bond is again retired in paradise <laughs> and someone has to convince him again to assist with this uh run there's uh globe trotting ensues i think ap immediately after they recover bond from jamaica he goes to cuba and then uh from cuba he goes back to london and then there's there's ping-ponging all over the globe they're in norway for a bit um the plot of this movie re largely revolves around a a this kind of mysterious villain played by rami malik i'll be honest i do not remember what his character's name was <laughs> something very forgettable i'll say that yeah um and and so Rami Malek uh, de develops this elaborate plan to steal this biological weapon that was developed by MI6, I think, called Heracles. Um, and it's this targeted DNA uh, death like serum or something that will if if, if it's the, nanobots, it's nanobots. Yeah, oh, yes, it's nanobots. Um, I'll get thank you for reminding me of that, Chris. Um, the. Uh, and this these nanobots when given the entire genome or or some genetic sequence from a target will only kill them it's almost like this sort of targeted disease um and his plan ultimately ends with uh Rami Malek's character Safine trying to manufacture these nanobots at large scale to i think take out like substantial portions of the population that wasn't really really clear to me yeah. and it, he basically and, said he wanted to get rid of all the bad people yeah he kind of he did some thanos shit sort yeah. of um <laughs> and and that's that's the film on the whole there's lots of globe trotting i i stayed for the end end credit sequence just to see all of the the little bumpers from each of the countries that the was filmed in i think it's like jamaica norway i think i'm uh japan um i believe um yeah it seemed like a lot of on location shooting yeah. as well yeah, as of course the, italy yeah italy the uk there yeah so there's a lot of globe trotting in this film um i think i uh, summarized the the plot in a decent way there's some other stuff that goes on in there but those are finer details that we'll probably yeah, discuss we'll get later. into specifics in, in the spoiler zone but yeah let's keep it spoiler free at least for our initial reactions i you mean know, I, I think there's like sort of the, the the opening which is kind of tying up a lot of elements from Spectre. Yeah. Uh, as yep. far as like Remy Malek's character, um, sort of hijacks the bioweapon that was meant to kill. Well, it's not Remy Malek directly, but through the nerdy Russian scientist guy, he hijacks mm -hmm. the bioweapon that was gonna kill Bond specifically at the party in Cuba, but then turns it around to instead kill all the members of Spectre, mm -hmm. um, which sort of clears the playing field for. Um, Remy Malek's character to uh, kind of take hold mm -hmm. on as the the preeminent world 
dominator villain yeah <laughs> um your classic bond villain type yeah so i think i think that's about it uh yeah so i guess let's get into our initial initial reactions in, on the film here uh chris i'll let you take the lead because yeah um Cole so was i was talking for a solid five minutes there <laughs> i did a, i did a so i did a double header right I, I hadn't seen specter before so i watched specter um in my apartment and then you know within 40 minutes of Spectre ending. I was in the chair at the, the beautiful AMC Empire <laughs> oh, wow. 25 in Times Square, New York. That's, New York. A, that's a lot of Bond. These are, these are yeah. pretty long movies. Yes, they I was, are. I was in the chair to watch uh, No Time to Die on their, their Dolby Cinema um, screen there in, in Times Square. So kind of a Bond, like a big Bond doubleheader, which, you know, the thing is, like, I hadn't seen a Bond movie in a long time. I, I, I mean, kind Spectre of, came out in, like, 2015 yeah, yeah but i didn't see specter in theaters i yeah. hadn't seen a bond movie since seeing skyfall in theaters wow. so that's like what like 10 almost 10 years right yeah so i'd kind of like i mean obviously i you know i remember the idea of james bond and stuff but I, i'd kind of forgotten what the movies were like i mean obviously casino royale like you can't forget casino royale but i'd, I'd kind yeah. of forgotten like how how the movies were and i feel like a lot has happened in the world of like blockbuster cinema mm -hmm. since skyfall came out in theaters you know so i realized doing this double header watching specter and no time to die uh yesterday that th these bond movies are really like for me it's like the perfect like kind of big movie blockbuster like i love like i think the tone is like perfect for me like it's 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 got like this kind of seriousness to it and the subtlety to it that like you don't necessarily see in like a lot of the big movies that are coming out right they leave you know there's space for for levity but it's kind of more of that dry british humor mm -hmm. you know and the yeah. tone is just a bit more serious a bit darker you know but still something that's like you know approachable by the everyday movie going audience so like as far as like blockbusters go i really like I feel like Bond hits a very nice sweet spot. And I, I, I knew that, but like it's been so long since I seen one of the movies that I kind of forgot that. So it's kind of nice watching these two movies back to back and like sort of realizing realizing that. Um, that said, I think that uh, Spectre and No Time to Die are very different movies. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of conflicted over like which one I liked better. Um, mm. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Because I feel like Spectre was like kind of presenting bond as like the perfect secret agent. You know, he's kind of just like very like efficiently going through the motions of being the secret agent, you know, taking down Christoph Waltz, whereas no time to die. It's like, we're seeing the cracks, you know, and he's a very more, it's, it's much more like raw and emotional. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we can get more into that, but like, I, I liked the movie. Um, I, I enjoyed watching both of these uh, together and, um, yeah, it's definitely definitely nice seeing Daniel Craig back up there as Bond is is special. So mm -hmm. it's a good time. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go next. Um, I I liked it as well. I wasn't like blown away by it or anything. Um, I think I, I I saw Spectre when it came out, which is you know quite a long time ago now, and I remember not enjoying Spectre that much. Like I can't remember many specific details about it. Like it seemed like it was like a pretty forgettable experience for me. Um, like, I, I feel like I was pretty bored during Spectre, although I loved Casino Royale and Skyfall, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. 
And I, I just coming out of this one, I kind of felt like I had the same reaction as I did to Spectre. Um, just kind of like I had a good time. I enjoyed it. But it's something where like I'm going to being I'm not going to remember specifics about this movie five years from now. I'm not going to want to turn it on and rewatch it again in a year or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, well, I think you'll remember some of the spoilers on content. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it, it didn't like it didn't do anything too special for me. Um mm-hmm. I thought the beginning was super strong, kind of like before the whole five year later jump. Yep. Um, the whole sequence in Italy, right, was just like spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, the the motorcycle and car chase through the streets, you know, the twists and turns, all the unexpected kind of plot stuff happening. Um, you know, the bit the bit where he's using all all the gadgets in his Aston Martin is super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of like as the movie like went on, it's it's a very long movie. <laughs> It's and the I longest just, Bond movie ever. Yeah, Two yeah. Hours I just forty-three minutes runtime. Yeah, I just kind of like lost, started to care less, and kind of like lose interest as in it as it kept going. Um, and I thought that I, I love Rami Malek a lot, but like, it, it feels like for a movie that was this long, it feels like his villain did not get enough like screen time. Yeah, yeah. Um, to like develop, you know, his his motivations and his his plot enough, um, which kind of like hurt it a lot for me. Um. That that was um one of the, my biggest gripes with the film is that like they spent a lot of time cleaning up Spectre business. Yes. And like Christoph Waltz and his Ernst Blofeld character are like actually pretty pretty big presence in No Time to Die. So it's like by yeah. the time that they clean up Christoph Waltz and we also have this whole kind of sequence that's focused around this like frat boy guy, the American oh, guy, the Book of Mormon. <laughs> Book yeah, of the Mormon. Book of Mormon. <laughs> yeah. And like by the time they sh- get through all this stuff, by the time they, I, f- I felt like watching this movie. By the time they'd just done something close to establishing Remy Malek's character, he was spoiler zone dead. <laughs> like yeah, like I, I yeah. really feel like. And it's a shame it so too quick. because I was talking about the first scene in Italy, but really there's a scene earlier in that when we see like Leah yeah. as like a little child. It was also a really great scene, mm-hmm. and it sets up Rami Malek like super well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like they don't show his face in there, but like I mean, I've watched enough Mr. Robot to know his voice. You know what that jaw looks when, like <laughs> when, when he when he speaks, and it's like oh, like that's him. Like I'm yeah. I'm pretty hyped for him as a villain after that initial scene, but then it's like an hour and a half later like before you see him again and it's like that's the running time of like other movies before Mm -hmm. you get back to the villain and it 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 honestly hurt a lot for me but it's it's one of those things where it's like i'm not sure if it happened in the script or if it happened in the edit maybe they wanted maybe they saw his performance and they thought maybe it was strange and they wanted to like pair him back or something but like it felt like he was like squeezed into a little corner of the film Mm-hmm. and wasn't yeah. allowed to be the bond villain of the film you know yeah. and they were like trying to use christoph waltz who's great right like i yeah. like his character yeah, yeah i always but, like christoph waltz. I, I feel like they should have gotten all the specter stuff out of the way faster and like let remy Malik come on to the screen as a big presence in the film as opposed to like being he almost felt like he was like a side villain you know what i'm saying yeah yeah like it didn't feel like he was the villain yeah, a lot of uh, I'll, 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 yeah, we, we, we went on a bit of a tangent here, but Cole needs yeah. to give his his overall initial oh, yes. thoughts. <laughs> yeah, no, th- thank you, Bryce. I was and I was just going to say, I'll, I, I think I share a lot of the same feelings you did, Bryce, maybe even less so. I think I'd go as far to say that I did not like this movie. Um, mm. There are elements to it that, that I did like. Obviously, I think, you know, even in, in other films that I've we've talked about on the podcast, that I say I don't like there are things I usually can't find and enjoy. Um, 
I, I think a lot of this movie is half-baked. Um, a lot of the... Uh, I, I, I wrote in my letterbox... They, they got an extra year before release and it still wasn't ready to come out of the oven. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I... I uh, I, I wrote up in my letterbox somewhere. I think this film is like it's like one and a half plots. Like the first like ha- like half a plot is like they're trying to tie up these things that happened in Spectre, and they focus I think too much on it in the beginning, like you guys were saying. And then yeah. and then by the time that it gets to the 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 full plot being kind of Rami Malek as this villain, like he's not developed very well. There are these other characters that are introduced that they kind of like you know they get screen time, but they don't get enough to like really establish them as as a character chris you mentioned you know the book of mormon kind of frat guy who's like kind of a like he's like a lowly he's like a scrub kind of yeah. double like a lot a, of screen time for being a scrub yeah he um, did, he, that was my favorite joke in the movie though when they called him book of mormon, yes the but. book of mormon joke is good <laughs> like there obviously there there are things in the movie i enjoyed um like the, some of the moments of levity that kind of dry humor um that that breaks up the tension is is nice i think it lands a bit better than the one-liners in, in a lot of marvel films for me um sure. which is which is nice um there are some uh scenes that i was a big fan of but overall i think it like there's a lot of thi- there was a lot of they could have been more focused i think if the film had been more focused more screen time was given to rami malik um i was pretty surprised that like for anna de armas being like so attached to i think marketing for this yeah. movie she's only in it for like what, it's a 15, cameo, really. It's, it's yeah. really a cameo, yeah, and I was yeah. pretty surprised. I'm like, oh, she'll definitely show up later. But Daniel Craig is literally. It was, like, it was almost like somebody was like, oh, it would be cool if Ana de Armas was in a Bond movie. You know, it's like, oh yeah, that would be awesome. And then they're like, oh, we only have a five minute window to put yeah. her. In. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of confusing. One thing I'm confused about is like, and I guess this is talking more about like the overall what they're gonna do with like say the next Bond movie. But a lot of stuff in this movie felt like setup stuff. Which is strange, given that like it's the end of the, the last Craig one. movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I assume they're not. Like I don't know if they're planning to bring some of these people, like Anna de Armas, right, and also Lashana Lynch's character. Like a lot of the a lot of these plot lines felt like set up things for future movies. But then yeah. like yeah, I now assume that, since, since, be a full you, since you've brought this up, should we go full spoilers here for a sec? Yeah, we got to. Why not? Right, we're we're gonna go full stop. spoilers. Chris heard it. So the end of the movie, like Daniel Craig's Bond dies. Yes, he did. He found time what? to die. He found time to die <laughs> in the two hour and 43 minute runtime. He found t- some time to die. And yeah, they, they set up like Lashana Lynch, like has taken over the 007 mantle while Daniel Craig is like away, you know, living in Jamaica or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it kind of felt like they were like Chris was saying, like they wanted to pat, hand the franchise off to her or like hand it off to Anna the Armas, like this new CIA agent, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Something like that. But yeah. If you wait until the very end of the credits, it says, which it says like in every James Bond movie, it says James Bond will return. Mm-hmm. So that to me implies that, you know, this like quote unquote like universe or this series is over, like they're going to reboot with a new actual, well, you know, some, some sort of James Bond. They're not going to spin off to right. this, this other character just being 007. You know, like if it said like Agent 007 will return, will return yeah. then like, you know, anything could happen you know it could be lashana lynch's character taking over the role but mm-hmm. it says james bond will return which makes me think no like it's over it's we're gonna read so some which is people like, there's a there's a theory right that I, has been tossed around for a long time about the bond franchise that um essentially that uh james bond 
is a code name that is given to like the top uh, MI6 agent, right? Mm -hmm. And that that so that theory has been like rejected by the franchise in the past. Yeah, but there's people oh. saying that now, in order to open up the role to you know a large variety of of different actors slash actresses, mm -hmm. that they may embrace the idea of James Bond as being a code name. And that whoever is occupying that role, it's more of a job title than an actual name, right? So anyone can be James Bond and whoever the top, you know, 007 is, they call them James Bond as a code name. That sounds a bit preposterous to me, but it's a theory that would allow them to, um, you know, establish someone else. Um, so so you're saying all the Bond movies are in the same chronology or the same universe. And this is just... a theory that has okay. been has been circulating because judy judy dench is m in the first couple of these movies and she's m in some of the older like pierce bronson ones mm -hmm. also oh i didn't um, know that That's yeah so if because i mean i don't understand why they would spend so much time in this movie i mean it's expensive right mm -hmm. spending between lashana lynch and anna de armas they spent what like an hour of the film setting up these characters i'm not sure why you would do that if you're planning yeah. to do a full because there's not much like out. There's not much of an arc or like a payoff for either of them like, no. in this mm -hmm. film at all to the point where it's like, I don't want to say like they didn't contribute anything to the movie, but like, yeah, they yeah. didn't add much to, you know, the overall, you know, plot. Yeah, that's part of the problem that I had. Now, I'll have to say there's a certain, um, how do I put this? There's a certain red hat wearing segment of the population that <laughs> uh expressed some dismay about you know the whole idea of lashana lynch being black and being 007 and all that sort of plot line right because you know mm -hmm. she basically temporary she 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 spends what like an hour as 007 <laughs> if, if and that then, and then she's like oh no you can have like, it back, back. right yeah <laughs> like, i don't want this i don't want it but like and like you know that audience their problems with that whole thing are are, are not <laughs> related to mine but i just felt like i kind of felt like it didn't do anything to serve the story necessarily that the whole like oh like yeah. he's competing for the title of 007 i get i get it like he went to retirement so they gave his job to somebody else you know mm -hmm. it's kind of a reflection on like the 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 how you know the work the world of work continues even if we quit our jobs you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying um which i think is very relevant now but but like i didn't it didn't really seem like to tie in too well with the broader story it, it's kind of i i'm i'm the one that just got out of my screening but i'm trying to remember like did lashana lynch like have any really like cool like action sequences or standout moments um, so in the in the cube so i'll say that like they have an interesting dynamic because of the armist is like a really cool action sequence yeah, yeah. that whole scene well, where, like, Lynch is there too but she kind of gets her she gets she's trying to get the russian scientist and he, bond steals him from her yeah oh, they, yeah, yeah, yeah so they start like butting heads initially and this this kind of they vie for power especially because daniel craig returns and he's no longer he's no longer you know 007 a title is given to nomi lashana lynch's character but then and they, they kind of struggle and there's this kind of like chemistry beef between them. But then eventually she kind of she like submits and is like, oh, no, you're the real 007 and you lose that. Well, kind of, no, yeah, like, I, I feel like know, as as bond, mission like as is what as I would call it. OK, I, I felt like it was like because because like I, I think that like it was kind of like out of like respect. Yeah. Kind of what it and also like, like, like James Bond, like 
Bond like demonstrated like his magnanimity sort of like he didn't exactly I mean obviously he stole the, the asset from her the Russian guy but like mm. he, they didn't like it was better for them to work together than to be butting heads because that would have gone against yes. the cause so I think it was kind of like a case like we all have the same goal of trying to catch all these various bad people so like she kind yeah. of said, just work together yeah. to make it easier. Yeah, I mean, at that. the beginning they, they were butting heads because like Daniel Craig was like he was there for the CIA instead of MI6. Right. And like as soon as Bond goes back to London and like starts working for MI6 again, like, you know, they're pals and they're they're working together the rest of the movie. Right. Yeah. It was sad when they when they they killed uh Felix Leiter. Mm-hmm. Um Jeffrey Wright, who, he's been like in like almost all of the I, he's I definitely in Casino yeah. he was he was in Casino Royale. I know yeah, that. I forgot about that until I read up a, a summary of Casino Royale earlier today. Mm-hmm. Um I can't there, remember there if really he was is any like of the a, other a, ones. A, a I know he was in Casino Royale. I mean, we, we, he was definitely in Casino Royale because who, who can forget Casino Royale? But but um one thing I want to say about Jeffrey Wright is that just as a side note, he's a very underappreciated actor. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna have to we're gonna have to put on one of his one of his films for the for the podcast because he's he's a great actor and like yeah. you know he's kind of been a character actor but like he's he's fantastic like yeah, yeah. Um, I, I know that neither of you've watched Westworld but Westworld's one of my favorite series and he's he's one of the main stars of it he's he's just mm-hmm. he's just great in it yeah I I, for, I wasn't a, I've only really been familiar with him in Westworld and I think I've seen maybe a couple other things that he's been in but um I did like his 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 character and I thought I enjoyed his performance in the film and it was you know sad when he eventually dies stupid um, book of mormon yeah <laughs> yeah um, so i think like so we've, we've kind of talked about a lot of the um the structural elements of the film and like you know definitely like the problems with like the pacing i think we can agree about the, the issues with the pacing as far as how quickly they were able to get remy malik in the the chair as the, as the villain and all yeah. that stuff um i do kind of want to get into like the more of the like emotional content of the film and the performances. I, I think that's where this movie shined mm-hmm. compared to um, at least compared to Spectre. And like, um, just like, I thought that was like, I thought it, it was interesting how it seemed like um, Carrie Fukunaga, like took a very different sort of perspective on who James Bond is, you know, and sort of stripping back like the kind of secret agent, like allure and sort of portraying him more in a more raw way as like he's trying to be like you see this struggle like he's trying to become the idea of becoming like a family man and settling down is floating around in his head right but of course Mm -hmm. as is customary in films when you try and become a family man you end up getting pulled right back into the to the fray (laughs) um but i thought there were certain moments in the movie where like kind of like the, the the writing the acting the directing sort of like really got that message across quite well as like this inner conflict that bond is having. And I thought the one, one that stood out to me particularly was in the Italy scene um, when they're in the car, the car chase and they kind of just stop. Yeah. And the guy is coming up. That was pretty wild. Like the guy is like popping the window point. Yeah. With his gun. And, and that just like, it's just flat. pounding into your head. Like yeah. as you're watching, it's just boom, boom, boom. And Bond's just sitting there. He's just, he's just like, there. Yeah, and he's. I feel like he's kind of like, okay, like this is what my life's gonna be, you know. Like I thought I had a beautiful life, and then like five minutes, like this woman seems like she betrayed me. These people are trying to shoot at me through the windows of the Aston Martin. Like this is what life is, you know. And he's kind of like, just it's like sinking in, right? And he's like, you can't do anything. Um, and like it kind of you look at the the whole 
arc of the film like that's kind of how it turned out right like he never got that rest i think about this movie is just a movie about a guy who's trying to get a day off and he can't do it (laughs) (laughs) it's it's funny because cole you already mentioned it like it feels like in almost all of the bond movies that have been made like it ends with him like trying to retire Yeah. yeah like even like going back to like casino royale he's like all right like i'm out i'm going to go just live with vesper now and like have a good life then like she gets killed in, in the same movie that time. Um, yeah, <laughs> and I think it, he tries to get out of the at, of the game. At, you know, Skyfall also doesn't he? I, um, I, I yeah, that's all. I, I don't remember Skyfall extremely well, but I yeah, it feels like this at this point. I know like the James Bond films. It's kind of I I think it was the same with the Pierce Brosnan films, which is the only other Bond that I've seen on screen. Actually, I've never seen anything before Pierce Brosnan. Um, but like there's always the like intro kind of action scene followed by the like CGI like mm-hmm. musical number, right? And yes. and it almost feels like an, an additional kind of requirement to that opening action scene and musical number is that Bond is in retirement and needs yeah. to come out. That's what it felt like watching No Time to Die. Yeah. Well, one one problem I have with it is that like I feel like its impact is kind of lessened by the fact that like it happens every single movie yes oh i i disagree i love it i i i you're talking about the inch like the the way that it's no no, no. just like how like the whole plot is based around him like wanting to oh okay. yeah, yeah. No, I, I, think the like, intro I, I think i think that's a really good storyline for like the last movie like yeah kidding. but like it just feels less impactful when like that's how it always starts and, and ends like mm-hmm. no it's true it's true yeah yeah like we've seen this kind of idea before in, in the past yeah. movies mm-hmm. yeah no for sure but I think um, I, I, if you guys want to talk about like Daniel Craig as Bond, oh, yeah. like I just want to say that like I think that Daniel Craig is like excellent as Bond. Um, and the reason, the thing that's so interesting about about watching him is that like you know I remember like the moment in Casino Royale where uh, there's like this foot chase going on, right? And like there's like a wall. That, and the guy, the guy that Daniel Craig is chasing, like scales the wall. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember this moment. And then uh, Daniel Craig, like instead of scaling the wall too, he just busts right through the wall. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like sounds like sounds like a Henry Cavill sort of move. Yeah, and like I, I like I remember that moment standing out to me because it's like okay, like you know, Bond is like the idea of Bond is like this suave, you know dapper debonair gentleman who just kind of he, he maintains like this effortless smoothness as he's going you know no matter what you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and like i think that the interesting dimension that daniel craig has brought to james bond is that like you know it's like he's like he has this brutishness to it to him right like he's he's not exactly like pretty you know what i mean like he's like he's, a, he's like ruggedly handsome yes yes like if you were to describe him on paper like you would maybe think like this is not a good looking guy. But then you look at him, it's like, okay, he's he's a good looking guy, right? But he has this brutishness that mm-hmm. that like counterbalances, like he's he's effortlessly cool, you know, yeah. but at the same yeah. time he's a brute. And in some situations, the you know, where maybe other Bond iterations would have resorted to cleverness, there are some situations where Bond will just maybe the best solution is just to punch somebody, you know, or just mm-hmm. to do something, just violence as like a gadget in his tool belt, you know, along with the exploding uh uh or the the sonar watches or whatever his watch was doing um you know so like i i like like the 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 kind of like sophisticated brute idea of mm-hmm. this bond franchise and i think daniel craig has like done such a good job embodying that and then also like i said in this film 
I felt like he really brought the emotional dimension in to Bond so mm-hmm. well um, in his performance, um, especially like the ending, you know, um, where he's looking at those missiles coming at him. You know, I thought I thought there were some really striking moments in this film, even though you know the overall kind of thing maybe didn't fit together as well as it could have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I want to talk about kind of like how this is supposed to be the end of his era for a while and see if you guys kind of thought it did it, did it justice or not. Mm-hmm. Um, a big part in the ending is that like, you know, there's this five year time jump and um, Bond is like eventually reunited with Leah Seydoux's character, Madeline. And like, he finds out that she has a, has a son now. Um, and then a whole bunch of like the final portion of the movie is like Bond trying to protect um the, this this no no not a son a daughter a daughter yeah <laughs> I, was, I was like what i was like hold on i'm the one that just got out of it i already forgot. hold up <laughs> yeah but, right. but a lot of the ending is, is bond trying to like protect this daughter um and it's it's somewhat unclear if it's actually his daughter or not um she well, says it's not but it, then it's like oh it, but she has your eyes and i'm not it, quite sure what they were going for yeah um, it's it's kind of they try to do they try to like fake you out but even daniel craig is like but look at her eyes like yeah look at my yeah, eyes look at her eyes also and, remy malik's character says it and like yeah yeah i think it's so confirmed I think, by the end yeah yeah it's kind of a thing that bothered me like we should have just jumped in and been like yeah like it's your daughter I, I don't get the point of kind of beating around the bush there but yeah. um well, a lot, this, a lot of this broken up, right? Like a, and like, if you're yeah. dating a girl and <laughs> you, you go away for three years and you come back and she's got a kid that looks just and like she, you, she didn't tell you. Yeah. About it. Yeah. <laughs> that would be kind of awkward conversation, right? <laughs> yeah. But anyways, um, what I was trying to get at is that a lot of this this plot at the end was like, you know, it's this kind of older fighter protecting like his his somewhat daughter. Um, as like his his time is winding down it reminded me a lot of logan mm-hmm. um the final wolverine movie which is one of my all-time favorite movies honestly um, that one actually oh, that's and good. like that movie just it just did it, it did the same idea this one's doing um spoilers for logan uh, logan dies at the end of that one also in order to protect <laughs> um you know his not actually his daughter like his his clone mm-hmm. whatever but um it's very much the same idea I see a lot of parallels between the two and like that movie was just so much more emotional and impactful for me at least than this movie was when Daniel Craig's bond dies at the end. Like I didn't, it was sad, but like I didn't care too well, much. Like there wasn't, I didn't feel like there was this great connection between him and his like girlfriend and daughter as there was in sort of this other Logan, which I'm, which I'm drawing a comparison to. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of, I guess I sort of, I mean, I haven't seen Logan, but I guess I kind of agree with you that maybe they didn't build up that. Well, it I, feels I, like a lot of the final sequence is based around like his relationship with his daughter. Cause like, yeah, he's trying to protect her. He's like grabbing her toy to like get it out of there with him. But it's like, you never really got that great of a connection between the two, in my opinion. I guess because I just watched Spectre, I was coming out of like, basically like four hours of their yeah. on-screen relationship. <laughs> so I, I guess I kind of felt that bond, but I agree that like they didn't really, I don't, I don't know how you exactly build up a bond between him and his daughter without having, I know Logan is more of like a road movie almost, right? Or Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the two so, of them are together, like, you know, the whole, the whole movie pretty much yeah. and at first, like they, they meet in the movie and like Logan's like kind of reluctant to take her on but then eventually, you know, he does and they have this really great connection, um, which is then mm-hmm. super heartbreaking at the end of the movie. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. one thing about the ending that I did say it like I I, th- I liked like kind of how they set it up where is it like you know Remy Malek's character had the vial of like special uh Heracles nanobot virus that was specifically programmed just to kill um uh Madeline and uh the daughter I forget the daughter's Mat- name Matilda Matilda yeah um if it was you know broken right so then like they're having that I wouldn't even call it a fight scene in the in the pool yeah yeah <laughs> it was more of just like a I don't I don't know like a little tussle I was yeah. like I was all always all hyped up for the like the final fight between you know Bond and the villain yeah. and then, like Bond gets like four bullets in him and then <laughs> it's like oh okay they're not actually gonna fight like yeah, yeah. it's a bit anticlimactic I but, but I thought the thing about the ending was that like at least the way I interpret it is that like he could have gotten out of there alive right but because he was infected with the Heracles nanovirus yeah. that would have made it impossible for him to see his precious. Yeah, I thought that's like what they were going for. Like I thought he was gonna get get out, but like that was gonna be kind of a the sad ending, which I thought would have made like a well, lot but more I, sense. But I interpreted as that he gave up because he wouldn't be able to see them again. Oh, see, uh, I, I, okay. I think that's interesting, Chris, because I I had I think the I took a different assumption that I don't think he could have made it off the island regardless. So, but I, I agree with what you were saying, Bryce. Like, if if he could have, I didn't. If to me, it felt like time wise, it wasn't going to work out. The missiles were like. But he's about James to Bond. I mean, James I Bond mean, can make it off an island. At yeah, time. sure. Except, that's, that's unless true. he doesn't want to, because right at the moment where he's he has this beautiful he had this beautiful life in front of him that he could have gone and lived, and now he's infected with this hair. Like as he remember, as he's climbing up the ladder at the end, he's asking mm. Q. He's like, "Is there anything that I can do?" to get rid of this stuff and q is mm-hmm. like no it's permanent it's eternal right yeah and like okay so i felt like he just was like okay well i'm just gonna climb up to this to this you know vantage point and just kind of accept my fate like he's never gonna get the life that he wanted right mm-hmm. and like there's a moment like earlier where they're, they're having that kind of the the showdown the, the talking showdown that they always have in the bond movies where the bond and the villain kind of express their they're opposing philosophies on life right and um you know remy malik says to him it's like my my skills are going to outlive my body whereas like your yours will die when you die and the point of life is to leave something behind right Mm -hmm. so remy malik has left behind this awful heracles nanobot virus and daniel craig has left behind like you know his daughter right um so i kind of interpreted it as that like he's sort of just accepted his fate in that way um and therefore chose not to get off the island which i thought was like a pretty sad like and yeah like i thought that yeah. was pretty i thought like maybe it wasn't so expressed directly on screen in the way that you might have wanted but like i i felt like there was some good emotional content i didn't cry or anything but i i felt yeah. kind of sad like this is the end of daniel craig is bond and he he's got no choice but to stand here and watch the missiles it's, it's kind of sad yeah, yeah. I, I, I was I, waiting. I was waiting for like the Dark Knight Rises after credit stinger where he's like, <laughs> he emerges from the ashes. He, he emerges from the ashes and is getting a, a nice breakfast in Italy. And he nods to the camera. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm glad I, they yeah. didn't do that though. That was that would have been kind of dumb. Yeah. Um. I yeah. I I, I can understand. I understand your, what you, your how you interpreted it, Chris. That then kind of resonates with me more. I also kind of walk, but I walked away still kind of feeling pretty like meh. I understood. Like it was sad that it was uh um you know Craig's last ride as Bond, 
and and there there I was affected by that in a way, but it felt very this the final scenes felt very much like set up to like you know really jerk some tears. Yeah, and, and it didn't yeah. it didn't have that effect for me. Yeah, I, I didn't really hear any like in my theater at all either. People were just like, oh, it's over, let's go yeah. home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about was during like the final sequence on the island. Um, I feel like the the action was getting kind of like boring or like generic. They're just kind of like walking around, like shooting yeah. faceless people. But then like, as soon as like, I literally had the thought of like, oh, this is getting kind of boring. Like, let's just, let's just move it along. But as soon as I started thinking that they did like this kind of like extended, like one shot sequence in, in the where stairwell. he's like going through, through the stairwell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they pulled me back in. I, I thought that sequence was, was fantastic. Um, and then it ends with him like using his watch to, to blow up Cyclops' yeah. eye, and what, what's what's mind. the line he says? Um, I just blew his mind. I just showed. Yeah. I just showed someone. I showed him my watch. It blew his mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I just wanted to highlight that that sequence. A really, a really. I don't think it was actually one take. There's clearly some some parts where like they they could hide cuts. Yeah. Um, but at least the way it was edited and put together was very engaging. Um, yeah. And I enjoyed I, that bit a lot. If we're talking about sequences that you enjoyed, although I thought that the 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 Blofeld kind of wrap up. Uh, like half plot was was something I I didn't really like or it felt made the movie feel bloated. The the scene where Bond is interrogating Blofeld is pretty pretty gripping. I thought yeah. and yeah, and he comes out on the little character. I love the little the conveyor belt conveyor belt thing. <laughs> bringing Blofeld. I'm trying to, to get one of those for my place. Yeah, and the, I think that the music in that sequence is really great, and it's to the point where. It, it scares uh, Leah Sadu's character away, like she leaves, and yeah. then it's just Bond and and Blofeld, and they have it's like a Chekhov's gun, it's like Chekhov's nanobots because they, yeah. they they build the tension. Like I, the whole time I was watching where his right hand was because I was yeah. like, oh shit, he has the nanobots on his hand, he doesn't know it, and and he keeps he keeps getting closer and closer and closer to him and starts like putting his hand on the cage that he's in and then as yeah. soon as you grab him you're like oh no what's going to happen um yeah. and yeah. i did think that the way they cut back and they're like they're like oh no look and they cut and he's just like <laughs> in the corner it was pretty, was like kind of a disappointing way to end it would have been better sequence. to see like the virus like take over him kind of like it did in the other specter agents in the the previous yeah. scene mm -hmm. um but i really liked also and like the lead up to that scene, like, you know, he's reunited with, with Madeline and like he puts out a hand for a handshake with her uh -huh. yeah. and like she doesn't accept it. Oh. Um, and then it Herb. made me think, you know, after that Blowfield dies from the virus, like, oh, is she like actually has she been like an undercover Spectre agent this whole time? Mm -hmm. And like she wouldn't take his hand because, you know, she thought she was going to catch the virus as well. Um, oh, okay. I don't know if you guys had that. What well, they showed her it was spraying like, the cologne on, though, or the perfume on. They showed her spraying the nanobot perfume on before, yeah. before that. Remember? No, oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah she it, was it, in the bathroom spraying on the nanobots before yeah. that. Scene. Oh, so she gave. Wait, I'm confused. Because Remy she... Malik sent gave her the 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 um perfume, perfume. and said, "Go meet Blofeld. Wear this." Mm -hmm. And then she sprays it on her wrist, and because yes. Bond touches her wrist. He gets it yeah. on his hand, and then when he starts to choke Blofeld, that's when it infects him. Oh, yeah. okay. I oh, forgot okay. that she touched his wrist. I thought she just like, yeah. didn't touch him the whole, the whole yeah. time. Well, because she was shaking when before Blofeld came out. So then he oh, grabbed her wrist. Okay. Like, what's, what's wrong with you? Why are you shaking? <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. I was a bit tired as I was watching this. Um, <laughs> I, be I believe it, Frank. <laughs> I, did, I didn't fall asleep. I um 
I like started to nod off a little bit during <laughs> the scene where like Bond and Rami Malek finally come face to face. Yeah. Which is like the scene where like you should be like the most invested and like excited for like these two to finally like have their showdown. And like it was kind of sad that that's the part where I was nodding off, but it just kind of yeah. adds to, you know, how much Rami well, Malek's character doesn't get kind of. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Rami Malek as, uh, let's talk about Rami Malek as, uh, Lucifer, Lucifer <laughs> Safin, Lucifer yeah. Safin. Let's I, talk I, about him. Well, I want to mention first, I'm pretty sure his, I, I, I think he's supposed to be Russian in the film. I'm not, that wasn't really clear to me. He has he's, kind of like a generic yeah <laughs> european accent but i i have a feeling that lucifer is like a is an equivalent to lucifer which oh, is really on the nose huh. I, I i think so yeah right no, you don't, don't say little, little ham-fisted maybe <laughs> i know ham-fisted and half-baked yes yeah. half-baked anyway. half-baked oh it's just still squealing when it comes out of the oven <laughs> Anyway, Chris, what would you like to talk about with related to Lucifer? Well, like, look, I like Remy Malik. The hit Netflix series. This is now a Lucifer podcast. Ah. I like Remy <laughs> Malik, and I, I, as I mentioned in our in our pre-show discussions, I I was reading an article where they were talking about they were taking this film in combination with the Little Things and saying that there's like maybe a problem with Remy Malik's performances in these movies, and like, I don't know if you guys have seen the Little Things. In the Little Things, like, what happens there is that Remy Malik's character. He's like a, he's like a, you know, like a, uh, the chief detective or whatever, right? And he's like weirdly like smoldering and like <laughs> kind of just like doing the whole like Remy Malik thing. But it's to a level where it almost feels like he's in a different movie, you know, mm-hmm. like like Denzel is like poking him on the shoulder, like you okay, man? And Remy Malik is like his eyes are wide open and he's like talking to himself, <laughs> you know. And it's like it's kind of like I can see the argument that he's like overdoing it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in this film, like he does a lot of like his whole kind of thing, where you know, if you kind of watch Mr. Robot and all this stuff, like his his whole thing, he's like taking it maybe maybe a little too far. I have to say, like because in oh, this okay. he's kind of mumbling a lot in this movie, and like mm-hmm. he's he's prattling on about wanting to cleanse the world of all the blah 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 blah. blah with the, it's it's honestly like. The whole thing yeah. is felt like a mess because, like, it, it wasn't never, even. It never really clicked to me, like exactly what he was trying to accomplish or yeah. why he was trying. And to they accomplish. also didn't establish much of a link between him. This is, I think, the biggest problem. They didn't establish much of a link between him and like the villainous activities. Like he wasn't. He didn't seem too connected to the whole nanobot he, virus thing. Yeah, he's just chilling in his little zen garden like <laughs> philosophizing his poison, his poison god yeah, his poison god my poison god yeah Do you it, like it here uh, yeah no? I, I i thought <laughs> i agree i think like i i don't know if i i don't know if i thought he was like overacting or, or overdoing things i think he didn't give the like, grammy malik from mr robot i think is a good yeah, actor grammy malik is a, a we're all a fan of him he's a great actor but we, we've all seen we've all seen like to, i don't know if you guys have finished mr robot but it's one of my favorite shows and he's i have he's fantastic throughout it um also want to plug the video game until dawn (laughs) one of one of his greatest performances as well about that (laughs) um yeah but yeah i felt like his character maybe wasn't written the best like chris i i agree you they didn't really connect him i think the plot was his his family was poisoned by 
Leah Sadu's character's dad. Um, and it, and her it and her dad is actually in Casino Royale and Spectre and as well. Oh, he's Inspector too. And he, yeah. gets, he kills himself, Inspector. Uh, and, um, and, and so I think that that part was like kind of lost on me. And then you also when when the, he introduces this like vial of of the nanobots specifically that that are like programmed to kill um, uh, uh, Leah Sadu's character again. Who I'm, I'm Home girl. Her name Madeline and the girl. Like I like kind of caught that. I, I he kind of there's a point where the the vial flashes on screen. He's like, yeah. oh yes, this is programmed to kill whoever. <laughs> and then <laughs> and and then and then like when it breaks, I was like, oh yeah, he mentioned that earlier. And yeah. it kind of lost that like emotional impact. There wasn't like a big kind of no. like moment or building. Well, they didn't even show it break. It was like after it breaks, they're yeah. like, oh wait, yeah. that that vial broke. Oh no. Yeah, it was disappointing. Yeah, it feels like there's like a lot of moments that should have been like bigger or like more like emphasize that that weren't and it kind of because you're saying how you kind of enjoy the movie being being subtle like and i appreciate that at points but it seems like some of these really big big moments like the vial should have been more drawn out yeah i I, one thing i want to just clarify i'm not saying that i thought remy malik was overacting in this movie or in the little things it's not that he's overacting it's just that he's like going too far potentially into the whole like smoldering staring at the moon mumbling under mm-hmm. his breath remy malik thing Dude. to the point where it almost feels a little like saturday night you can see the saturday night live skit yeah you know what <laughs> yeah. i'm saying because everyone else is like totally coherent and then he's over there like i would mm-hmm. like to destroy the humanity i, I, I and virus. the thing is like i, I, I would have cleansed the earth <laughs> There are some elements of him that I would have liked to learn more about, and I think that that kind of speaks to the, the half bakedness of the movie, like <laughs> the half baked, the half baked ham, half baked ham. It like so, the like one thing, this like porcelain mask. That, not that I need him to explain why he has this porcelain mask, but there's very obviously like some. It's because they actually they plucked him straight out of Mister Robot. That was yeah, a, yeah. Uh, he, <laughs> he picked up a prop from the set. What was yeah. their organization called? Um, oh, I don't. F Society. Yeah, that was, was an F Society mask. Yeah. You know, this but, is a follow up to the final season of Mr. Robot. You guys didn't catch that? <laughs> no, I didn't. Thank you. Um, but no, that this like this porcelain mask, and then the fact that he's like manufacturing the Heracles virus on this like island that is disputed between Russia and Japan, which I thought was kind of like an interesting detail. Yeah. And and there's this like the the set is kind of interesting because there's very much this like this obvious Soviet era like um uh what is the i can't remember the actual term for propaganda but it, like there's like there's like uh motivational paintings like on the wall but yeah. then he has this kind of zen garden as well these mixture this mixture of like the two cultures which i thought was interesting and it seemed to indicate some kind of like obsession or tie to that culture but like that didn't that, that i wish they had kind of even expanded on that more i thought that was interesting um and they could have yeah, a lot of that was a nice looking garden like i'd yeah. hang out there like have yeah. a tea <laughs> my poison <laughs> garden <laughs> one thing though another thing just going on the more of the half a lot of half bakeness in this movie for example one of the things that was really strange i was laughing when it happened was so uh remy malak he like kidnaps jb's daughter right and he's got her <laughs> jb and, yeah. and like there's that cool moment where like um where uh bond like pretends he's like bowing at Remy Malik's feet and then he pulls oh, yeah, a gun yeah. and shoots him and then uh he likes you know the floor yeah he <laughs> goes through the floor which is pretty sweet right but then like perplexingly five minutes later oh yeah he yeah, just yeah. lets the girl go he's like if you do not want my support then just go yeah <laughs> 
if you don't want yeah, my protection the, and then the she just like walks off in into the, the tunnel by herself it's like what yeah yeah it's kind <laughs> of weird shot of like her just like walking like trotting down the tunnel by herself like why like, what <laughs> yeah um, what is going on <laughs> i um i i i wanted to mention this as well guys uh I, w- I was sitting in bed after I watched this movie Thursday night. And I was like, I've, there's this, a very similar plot. I've seen this before. And I realized that the, when they were sat down to write this script, they just lifted the plot from Agent Cody Banks starring Frankie Muniz. <laughs> what? what? Are, you guys, are you familiar with this movie? I haven't seen that in a I long time. I think I've like seen it when you, I was like you, a little it, kid, it, but it, I don't remember time. the details. It's like, it's like a 2003 action film that, that is supposed to be like a they like lift. It's like a almost like a James, like a James Bond, Bond parody, spoof kind of. But right? but Frankie yeah. Muniz plays like a 15-year-old like high school kid who becomes a secret agent. And the right. plot of that movie is that someone develops nanobots that can like destroy society. Oh, I do and, remember that. And really? He has, to, he has to stop the nanobots from being released in the world. I'm like, it's, oh, man. it's gone full circle. Ne- next week on Essential Viewing, Agent Cody Banks. <laughs> What's that Keith, oh, Keith David Muniz. is the CIA director in that movie? Yeah, oh, man. It, it's not like a. It wasn't a Disney Channel. It like played on the Disney Channel or like Nickelodeon a lot. But like it, it was like I a theatrical it. release. Yeah. it was in the sure. same vein yeah. as like Spy Kids. Yes, but cool. I re- distinctly remember there's a scene in that movie where like they like freeze the nanobots in ice cubes and they're gonna distribute them via like the cold chain and then when they melt they'll be released and like kill people. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where someone like. Th- shoves like forcibly feeds an ice cube into someone's mouth and it like kills them oh, it's like pretty dark movie here on the podcast oh, oh my God. i'm glad how many details you remember from agent cody <laughs> I, banks I, I i reread the the, the plot synopsis on wikipedia because i was like yeah. i remember this and then, and then after re- rereading the synopsis you pulled up amazon prime and you, you and, I, and i watched it yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't see Frankie Muniz that often anymore. I do. I want. I was thinking the whole time at the end of the movie, like, wouldn't when they blew up the island, wouldn't all that none those nanobots like get in the water and like, <laughs> yeah, it's and go around the entire kill world. Everybody, yeah, like, you know that's yeah. okay. Yeah, it also Speaking wasn't cl- clear to me like that. The, there's this this cool like set in the, on the island where there's this. It looks like a like a like a river, like a water distribution system, and there are all these lights inside of it. And there, and there are these people, there's like kind of people in suits, like hazmat suits, you know, doing something in the water. And I'm just like, oh, like it wasn't really clear to me why or what. Like farming the poison or, or something. Or something. Yeah, but no. then when the when the quirky Russian scientist gets pushed into the water, you find out that it's like filled with these nanobots, apparently. Or, or at least very, that's what, yeah. it, which it also wasn't very clear. There's and, also uh, another great line right there from Lashana Lynch that tossed him in, right? She says, she asks him, oh, what time is it? He says, time to like, die. And he's like, what? I don't know. And oh, she's yeah. like, it's time to die. Yeah. And he should have been like, no, it no, is no, no time, time to die. To die. <laughs> um, I, since we're on, we're talking about that character, one of the, one of the scenes I, I did like um, oh, the, was the scientist, the dorky scientist guy. Yeah, when when they first invade the the like building they're in, I, I like the kind of the little banter between the scientists, and then like the it's a pretty dark scene when the these like agents uh like in, like invade the whatever like thirtieth floor of this building during golden hour. Yeah, um, I was getting Batman. Nolan, oh yeah, that, that, that first sequence. shot after the it, it's fire pretty cool. Later with them like rappelling down the this the. the, the 
the glass the glass windows and like there's like mm-hmm. the purple sunset in the background yeah that was yeah. that was really cool apparently yeah. that was supposed to be london and i i did not believe that <laughs> i didn't i i didn't huh. recognize any buildings from the skyline and um was kind of surprised when they later said like oh this was heisted from a building in london I'm like mm-hmm. oh one one thing i want to one thing i think that this movie was missing which i think specter did better was like it had like a specter had a much clearer like kind of thematic through line so just a quick summary of specter like basically the idea in this specter is now is a that, specter podcast but i just okay but like the idea is that like they're trying to establish this surveillance program right mm. and like christoph waltz's character is like secretly behind it's like the government so there's like a guy yeah. in the government he, he's, like he's got a guy on the inside that yeah really working and, and so it's this whole idea of like you know the the they're trying to shut down the double o program right because they we don't need that anymore when we have surveillance cameras right and there's this whole kind of conflict in the movie of like you know the effectiveness of individual men and women on the ground versus like big government surveillance you know and that's kind mm-hmm. of like the conflict that manifests itself in a bunch of different ways throughout the movie so that's kind of that through line right and i feel like with this nanobot thing like there's obviously interesting ideas there as well I'll, I'll, of course there's like parallels to recent events although this movie was filmed before covid mm-hmm. um they have even that shot that looks like the game Plague Inc. Uh, in the movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I just felt like this movie was like it was missing, um, like that kind of like central sort of philosophical conflict. Yeah. That like I thought Spectre did a nice job of, of like okay, like Bond is on his own because the, they can't help him because of the surveillance. If anything they do to help him would reveal his location and all those mm-hmm. kind of things. Inspector, like there wasn't anything like that. It was just sort of like these nanobots and bonds got to stop the nanobots yes of course they like use the nanobot concept in the ending but i felt like there was just not something grounding and tying the movie together on a large scale yeah not to mention that the nanobots think... didn't even come into the plot until after they finished all the specter cleanup business yeah, yeah. I, I think i think the movie essentially being split into like i don't know two halves or two thirds with the specter cleanup and that then really the nanobot plot really just just hurt the movie a ton yeah, yeah. and I, also there was not a great introduction of the villain either because nope. like i remember okay going back to Spectre. i, I did time. like the very first scene you know yeah like, but it didn't introduce the villain it introduced more of like it was because we didn't i mean it didn't really set him up as the villain in the yeah in the sense like of, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, gonna be a much different person yeah you know, that tw- 20 30 years earlier than there's he is a great in the, scene in specter again where um maybe bryce you remember this like there there there's a meeting of specter right a gigantic meeting yeah in this huge room. christoph waltz is like at the head of the table yeah he's at the head of the table but he's silhouetted yeah. right you can't see his face at all and all the specter people are meeting at this giant it's like the illuminati basically right and bond is like in the rafters watching right and he you know there's like a million people there so he thinks he's hidden right but then like christoph waltz like shadowed face looks up through the crowd right at bond and he says we're so so happy to have you join us tonight mr bond and then bond is like oh shit like they all know i'm here and he like busts out the window and has to get out of there yeah. and that's like the introduction of christoph waltz's character like you know he, yeah he, he, he it's funny he gets that moment again in this movie when they're in right. like, the cuba scene and like they're infiltrating the specter right. event and like the spotlight shines on Bond, and like yes. Christoph Waltz is like talking, although he's not actually there, yes. it's just like his little eyeball, and like the poison sprays, and it's a cool moment. But again, that's Christoph Waltz's character who then dies in the next and scene. Remy and Remy Malik Malik needed a moment anything. like that that establishes yeah. him as this like powerful, because Bond villains are like omnipotent, right? Like they're all powerful until they're not, right? But he didn't get a moment like that. That yeah. like I feel like it would have been more interesting if like. 
this bond like for for Rami Malek as the villain to have Bond not in it at all like have like Madeline be the one that like has a fight and a grudge against Rami Malek you know what I mean you mean like make a what, what do you mean like there's no it's bond. just like Madeline's character has like more of like a a connection and like a history with oh yeah with Rami Malek than than Bond does yes yeah. but then like she's not really involved in the whole ending or, or yeah. fight against him at all I think one thing I read, uh, I was reading an interview with Carrie Fukunaga, apparently, and I think that this probably is the cause of many of the problems of this movie. So apparently, he, he came off of, um, what's that show? Uh, Misfit on Netflix, the Jonah Hill show. Oh, Maniac. Oh, Maniac, Maniac, yeah. I so, really like that show. So basically, by the way. Danny Boyle was going to direct this movie, right? And then Danny Boyle dropped out at the last second. So they got uh, Fukunaga as like a pinch hitter, right? Mm-hmm. So apparently he they wanted they like scrapped all of the development that Danny Boyle had done. So Fukunaga had like six months to write the movie, right? And oh, he was saying nice. that like they were still writing the, the movie during shooting and even after shooting, they were still writing the movie. And they basically filmed things Sounds like a samurai cop give them, situation. Yeah, they yeah. like filmed things in a way that would give them options oh, in the edited. That makes a lot of sense. And I that's feel like that explains why this yeah, movie was kind of a mess. That's rough. Because he literally said they were still writing it after they finished shooting it. Like, wow. still figuring out. No, like, the... no time to film. Yeah, no that's... time to film. Wow. <laughs> so wow. with the, the two-hour, 45-minute <laughs> runtime, there's also no time to pee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I don't know, maybe this transitions nicely to giving our final thoughts. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to I I plug one more thing. Okay. Um, Go we discussed it. the Asian Cody Banks sort of teenage James <laughs> Bond. I want to I want to plug another teenage James Bond riff off, um, Alex Ryder. It's like these what? books I read as a kid. Then there was like oh. a really bad movie made about the, the books. Ryder. But there was recently like a TV show that came out, maybe like within the last year on IMDb TV, which I don't know oh my what that is. But you can watch it on Amazon Prime. Hmm. And this show is actually like really good. Hmm. Um, it's it's kind of like it's it's weird because like it's a teenage james bond sort of thing but like it's very like grounded serious like emotional um i think it's only like a seven or eight episode watch but um as a fan mm. of the books as like a kid i still enjoyed this show a lot as you know a quote-unquote <laughs> adult did you have a subs- how do you watch on imdb IMDb it's, it's free it's free. oh okay huh. but like it's just like they have some deal with Amazon Prime or whatever. Well, like I saw, I, Amazon I saw, owns IMDb. Yeah, like oh, I saw okay. it while I was yeah. while I was browsing Amazon before. Um, interesting. So if, if you're looking for some more spy action, I recommend this one. It's, it's honestly really good. <laughs> okay, so that that's my my one aside. I wanted to bring up after you mentioned uh, mm-hmm. Cody, Cody Banks, but we okay. get a, get a, get into our final scores now. Um, Cole, you want you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, so I think I, I, you guys probably can glean from my comments so far what I thought of this film. Overall, I think it was, you know, half-baked, half-baked, ham-fisted <laughs> um, moments <laughs> did not land well with me. Um, maybe part of part of the reason it didn't land well is because I, I hadn't seen Spectre and I was confused by some of the plot points, but I was able to follow it enough and still wasn't really um happy with some of the elements i think that they underutilized a lot of people and it could have been probably pared down and, and a little more focused in ways um obviously there are some elements i like the again the the scene between bond and blofeld in the the, the jail cell is real it was like probably one of my favorite sequences and just like a really a great lesson in building tension 
for like a pretty classic, I think of like filmmaking uh, trope, right? Like the, the Chekhov's gun um, or, or Chekhov's hand in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, overall, um, I did, I did not, I'll say I did not like No Time to Die. I would not recommend people. I, I, I personally would not recommend people go and watch it unless they're, you know, really diehard Bond fans. And I'm going to give this film two and a half stars. Ooh. All right. Well, Chris, you you were like the most hot on this coming out the gate, so I'm curious what, what yeah, where you're thinking. And it's it's like I said, it's it's a conflict because I think that like, you know, the things that I like about this movie were, you know, foremost watching Daniel Craig as James Bond is like uh, like so much fun for me. Um, I love what he's what he does with the character, you know. So like having an, like one last chance to watch him as mm-hmm. as James Bond is like a lot of fun. Um, you know, I but I think that like a Bond, James Bond can only be as good really as the villain, right? Because like the, the villain is what makes him James Bond, right? Yeah. The 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 power of the villains and the 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 fear um, that the villains inspire and the the ability that James Bond has to take down these fearsome people is what makes him James Bond and what makes the character iconic, right? So you need you need an iconic villain for a James Bond movie, and they just failed in that regard here. Mm-hmm. They didn't even decide who they wanted the villain to be, you know. <laughs> they were like, I, "Oh crap, we have all this footage of Rami Malek. We better, we better put it in yeah. the movie." <laughs> I, I think the the biggest failing of this movie is that they they inexplicably decided to spend almost an hour tying up Spectre. Um, like, I think that was a serious mistake that kind of um, took away from didn't give Remy Malek the chance to to shine as a villain, didn't give Daniel Craig the chance to like have that showdown, which is the iconic part of any Bond movie is the showdown between Bond and the villain. I think that they kind of shot themselves in the foot with that. Still though, I did, I, I enjoy, you know, um, I enjoy watching Bond. Um, I love the tone of, of the, of the Bond films and that kind of that, that gentle balance between action and, and, you know, serious drama but levity um that i we i don't think we see very often in blockbusters these days mm-hmm. so all that said um you know i, I think i would probably give the movie uh, three and a half stars oh, off the cuff wow yeah three and a half i think is right i mean three i like i enjoyed it right i think daniel craig and 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 company you know all the all the the re- recurring players, Ray Fiennes, Naomi Harris. Like, I think, you know, they kind of carry the show. Um, and then despite the movie's flaws. So I think three and a half is where I'm going to put that one. Okay. Yeah. I think I kind of, I pretty much agree with everything both of you guys have been saying. Um, not a ton more to add here, but yeah, like it was fine. I think a lot, I feel like I've, I've liked it less and less as we've been talking more today. Usually I feel like I like, usually I feel like as we talk about movies, I start to like them more and more. Um, but today I kind of, I went the opposite way in our discussion. It just kind of like the messes and flaws with it have just kind of like shown themselves more to me um, as we've been talking. Um, but then, but at the same time, you know, like I enjoy my time in the theater. Like I wasn't super pissed. Like I went to see, I didn't feel like I had wasted, uh, I guess two hours and 45 minutes is pretty long, but <laughs> <laughs> I was still happy to have watched it. Um, I think, you know, the premier spy action franchise today is still going to be Mission Impossible. Um, oh, really? I feel like these, That's especially like this one right here, I don't think this is like as strong as any of the most recent 
Mission Impossible movies that have come out. Um, I enjoy those quite a bit, but that's mm. maybe that's for another podcast. Um, yeah. But I think I'm gonna I'm gonna land it I'm gonna land in the middle of you two and go go three stars. Oh, well, that's what nine nine, nine out of 15? nowhere close. Nine yeah, even close. This is not yeah. such a viewing, folks. Um, this is very low. I, I want I, I want to get I want to take a sec to give the the definitive ranking of the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. Ah. Um, I think number one, obviously Casino Royale. Um, coming at number two is going to be Skyfall. Uh, number three, I guess, has to be Spectre. Um, <laughs> number four, I guess, is then No Time to Die, and that leaves number five with uh, Quantum of Solace. So, number four in the Daniel Craig James Bond universe. Not not great for the final film. Mm-hmm. I, one one last thing, not to prolong this anymore. Um, you mentioned we've talked about runtime a lot. I, I went into this movie. I had absolutely no idea how long it was going to be. <laughs> and and I'll say I actually was pretty surprised when I found out that it was two hours and 45 minutes. Um, like there wasn't really a point in the movie. Like I was like, oh, this is long. But it was able to keep my attention to the point where I yeah. wasn't like, oh, my God, how much more time is left? Yeah, um, I, I checked my phone sure. when like the... Um when I was trying to, when I was almost falling asleep in like the, mm. the showdown scene. And I was like, Oh crap, there's still 45 minutes left. Yeah. I got to stay awake. To, to, con- to contrast that, not to rag on lamb even more, but that movie is a full hour shorter than that. And I checked my phone 40 minutes in. And I was like, <laughs> God damn it. Um, yeah. So I, 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 again, I don't want to, I know two and a half is, is I think the lowest score I've given out. And this, this far on essentially, I think that's collectively the lowest score we've given for a movie. I yeah. Feel like. Yeah. I but, well, um, besides Samurai Cop, I, I, <laughs> that, I, one, that I, one doesn't count. Yeah, yeah, I think like definitely for me, like like I said, like if if this weren't Daniel Craig mm-hmm. as James Bond, like really carrying the show in the way that he did, I, I think I would have probably given this like a two and a half. Yeah, but just just the fact that like he's at least to me like so like captivating up there as Bond, mm-hmm. I think that really like carried it. And like it is, I didn't think it was boring. I thought it was pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Um. A lot of good action sequences, but man, okay. it, it was a mess. I know yeah. we're trying to wrap up here, but one more thing that I just remember. <laughs> I love the the bit where like they cut back to Bond like five years later or whatever. You're like, oh, what's Bond up to now? And like he's always like whenever they cut back to Bond, he's always like doing something awesome. Like he's like, out like on spear a boat, fishing. Yeah. Spear fishing some red snap or something. I just went one time for them to, like to cut back to Bond five years later. He's like in his basement, like playing PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Getting the new high score. No, he's going to be, don't zombies. worry. He'll be shopping on, on Amazon uh, Prime. In, Next in time he'll be, he'll be ordering the yeah. new Alexa. Yeah. He, he's, he'll be calling Q and be like, Q, did you uh, rig up those bots yet <laughs> to give me my PS5? They're going to make Q an, an AI. and uh, They're going to make yeah. Q literally Alexa in future Bond <laughs> yeah. Oh boy! The product placements are coming, folks. Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be sad. But anyways, Prime, I, Amazon Prime. <laughs> if, if we didn't, we didn't say it directly, but Amazon has now acquired MGM, who makes all the Bond movies. Um, yeah. So Big Bezos is in charge from here on out. Jeff Bezos will be the next Bond. <laughs> <laughs> People would rage. Okay, wait. Um, we, we let's we, we need to speculate on who the next Bond will be for like five. Minutes. Oh, our, our pick, oh, essential viewings pick for the next yeah. James Bond. I think I need a couple minutes to think about oh. this. The thing. I mean, it's 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 disappointing because I think the the two that immediately jump to my mind, um, and I think Idris Elba has basically ruled himself out, right? Yeah, um, that that to me would probably be my number one pick. I'm a big. Idris Elba would be really good. Idris yeah. Elba, 
I know people have said like that he's too old, whereas like, but Daniel Craig's you know fifty three, and he, yeah. he does he does just fine. Um, an interesting pick, and I think that I I would I would like to see, but I feel like it's very unlikely is uh Tom Hardy. Yeah, um, that's not gonna happen. Yeah, not gonna happen. <laughs> I'd be I'd be I I don't know if I would like it. I don't think that would actually work personally. I I, I, I don't either. But Hardy. I, you 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 uh you mentioned this point about like this kind of brutish bond and that would be like that'd be like tom tom hardy's version of bond would be like daniel craig times 11 that's what i'm like, saying like, like he, would, he would just like <laughs> grunt and like, and like i don't know if like, like james bond with like foam coming out of his mouth like beating out his chest like pummeling <laughs> but, out of I, I would watch it that's not awesome he's, he's like he's just driving like an old school american muscle car and just like foaming at the mouth yeah oh man that would be great. But I, I, I'd play Tom Hardy, although that's very unlikely. <laughs> I think the obvious choice would be Henry Cavill. No. Yeah. He's already I in the know. man from Uncle. They can't cast him. I, I don't know that I don't know those franchises are going to be. I'm just thinking in terms of like he's been in a bunch of these spy movies and like he's done and he's done pretty well in them. It's it's a little too boring of a yeah. choice. Yeah. Um yeah, I think I agree. he'd do well. I don't I don't know if I want to see him, but he seems like he would be an option. Um I don't, have a, I don't know Timothy that Timothy Chalamet. I want to. Oh, that, that, that I would riot. They can't cast Timothy Chalamet. I mean, I guess he's not even British, but they'll figure out a way yeah. to make him British just for casting as James Bond. I don't know. He's like half French or some shit. Yeah, that counts. Whatever. Same difference. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't have any picks, honestly. I don't. I have no idea who it could be. I mean, there's all like the whole thing about like whether or not. Um, they would cast a woman as James Bond, which I think lots of people like Daniel Craig said that they shouldn't do that. I think Barbara Broccoli, the producer of the franchise said that Bond has to be a man. Um, hmm. I'd be in for a woman. I don't really care. Yeah. I liked seeing Ana de Armas in this one, even though it was just for five minutes. I thought but, she was, but really she was good. a CIA agent. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't have a pick off the top of my head. Like Charlize Theron's coming to mind as like one of the, best like female action stars but i feel like she's a little too old maybe to like pick up the mantle at this point yeah um i feel like what they did in what they've done in the last couple of movies with like maybe like reconceptualizing the women in these bond films is probably better than like making bond actually a woman yeah like i think that they've done a good job with like maybe not objectifying the female characters so like in the way that they haven't yeah like asked. in a lot of the really early ones it was very yeah. very bad like the women like weren't really characters in the movies they were just yeah. kind of but i think making bond a woman would, would make it a different character yeah um that wouldn't be like i think that'd be a different like some a different whole different thing entirely anyways the the answer for who the next bond is will not be found here on a central viewing unfortunately <laughs> we don't we don't have that kind of that industry sway <laughs> that we wish not we yet, did Bryce, yeah. not yet um maybe maybe in a couple you know the the bond after this one i i will be we'll be choosing them that that time yeah that, that, at that point we'll be in control of the franchise entirely yeah. right right now we 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 don't unfortunately but um i think that's going to wrap us up for this week on bond um next week i don't think there's any big movie we all want to see in the theater so we're going to go back to our our classic format where one of us just picks the movie we want to watch um and it's going to be cole's pick again as you know we've all picked one movie so far so cole what are what are we going to be watching? That's a great question, Bryce. And I was, you know, weighing my options. I will say that we have an unprecedented situation here where I don't have a film that, you know, immediately comes to mind for me. And so I'm, I'm going to pick one that I'm almost certain 
uh, none of us have seen. And that's going to be the 1979 film directed by Andrei Tarkovsky, Stalker. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, I have hey, not seen this. Thank God. Okay. I have the Criterion edition of that on Blu-ray, and there I've been meaning to watch it anyways. So yeah. It's, it's been on my watch list for a while. It's uh, I'm, I, I know it's considered like one of to be one of the greatest films of all time from, from, from what I've read. And it's, well, that's it's what of, we that's what we heard about Goodfellas also. Oh, wow. that's, that chill, is true. Chill. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm I'm excited for this. It's a bit long. It's it's 162 minutes, so pretty much on on pace with uh, how long No Time to Die was. But um, I have to set you know block off your schedule one of the nights these weeks. Chris, you got to rip that that Criterion collection. Off my criterion for all, for all the no. fans listening out there, it looks like it's also available on HBO Max if you're trying to watch along with us. Oh, nice. I was going to say Chris should rip the DVD and, or Blu-ray and send it to us <laughs> via a, a, an illicit email. Um, but but no, I'm, I'm excited for this. It's been one that I've wanted to watch for a while. And I'm, I'm, I, I think it'll be interesting for all three of us to grow into it with, with fresh eyes. Nice. So. Yeah. So that's, that's going to do it for us this week. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, hope you're back with us again next week for Stalker. I've been Bryce Kramer. I'm Christian Cuevas. And I'm Cole Bielan. Thanks so much for listening.